pretend. Throw that like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tap some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab all the friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burns light. Even with a loud mouth, trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be alright. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a jaw full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now, one truth, life, one way to the throne. March 15th, 2023, this is Messiah Matters, number four, two, three. It's my favorite kind of show, the kind where Rob doesn't know what's coming. My name is Caleb Hag. And this is my favorite kind of music, intro music to Messiah Matters, produced by Caleb Hag himself and our friend who did the great rap. I'm Rob Danoff. Ben Brandon. Brandon. All right. Ben Brandon. He's got two ben first Brandon. names. Ben Brandon. All right. Let's go, Brandon. Um, yeah. Looks like we're already getting some uh, trickling in the chat room. I want to welcome everybody there. And uh, yeah, let me see y'all. I'm going to bring that down even farther. Man. All right. Uh, you feeling good about the day? Yeah. So for those who don't know, the kind of show that I like is the kind where... 
Rob and I have gotten together. We didn't have a whole lot to talk about. So I said, okay, I'll figure out what we're going to talk about. And then uh, I put together a bunch of stuff this morning out of our email box. So our email box just fills up and up and up. And I just keep putting emails in there. And then I went in today and I just like cleared a bunch of those emails, like put them all into the show notes. So nice. here we go. Yeah, it's a good one. If you want to send us emails that we will eventually get to sometime down the road, you can just shoot us an email, chegg at torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. You can also call our comment line. It is just a comment line. You won't talk to us. You just talk to a message machine. You can tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever you want. Doesn't matter. What do uh, people five, hear? Does it? Do they get a little? Is there a jingle? Like if, they, if I were, they hear I've me. Never, I've never called the line before. Like, they, just, what does it say? Hear, like, welcome. Well, it, it, it has our uh, it has our intro music in the oh, background, nice. and it says thank you for calling. I, something to the effect of thank you for calling the Tor Resource uh, or the Messiah Matters uh, comment line. Uh, any message you leave can, may be played live on air. <laughs> and then the fun here's the funny part about that people will call and say yeah hi please don't play this on the air like you already are like you've already crossed the you've already said yes by moving (laughs) on like by saying maybe that's that's you have agreed people will say look or they can say don't use my name obviously we respect that yeah but still i mean no no we've had people say please don't play this on the air like if you don't want to play it on the air send an email anyway okay i hear you okay Uh, You can find all sorts of stuff, including our intro music, lyrics, uh, how to become a producer, an executive producer, uh, all sorts of past shows. You can watch uh, uh, the videos of our shows. You can listen to the podcast of our shows, all that on MessiahMatters.com. And of course, as always, this show is produced by TorahResource.com. Go to TorahResource.com right now to find all sorts of resources on Passover, which is quickly approaching. We have less than a month before Passover, and my family is freaking out it's awesome. I love this. You know time what I'd of like, like to hear? Sorry, my brain is still stuck on the music. Yes, go ahead. Because you mentioned the lyrics that are available. I did. You know what would be great to hear is like, I'd like to hear some people call in and and just like hear them rap the. Try to freestyle the, it. <laughs> freestyle it. Like, I don't care if you're reading it or if you've memorized it, but like. You know, was it was two, we- two weeks ago. We played the music without lyrics. People can grab that and then try <gasps> Try to wrap karaoke it. Let's hear. Let's hear your version. All right, uh, we're going to jump right in. Let's jump right in. Let's do it. Um, we're going to. So uh, Clayton is in the chat room. So we'll we'll go to his comment first. He says this, and we're, I'm going to throw this directly over to Rob. He says, "Would you agree that Jesus and the apostles quoted from the apocryphal books? An example would be that Jesus in Matthew twenty three thirty seven directly quoted." Second Esdras one thirty, Rob. Yeah, he's probably used. I would imagine it's Clayton. Yes, I would imagine he's using a King James with apocrypha. Okay, as a reference. Um, that's my guess. Or, or he's using maybe one of the. Is it maybe the Revised Standard Version with the apocrypha might do the same thing? Um, that's because they're using for the for the Esdras there, they're using Latin, the Latin as the source rather than Greek. And there's additions the the chapter one and chap and the last chapter, I think there's some others that were added. They're not part of the original Greek. So for example, if you go and look at, um, 
A really great free website is the, if you look up the new English translation of the Septuagint, they call it the NETS, not to be confused with the NET Bible, because it starts with, it's like NETS. Um, the top Greek, top Koine Greek scholars uh, translating all of the Greek Jewish works that are typically associated with the Septuagint. And so if you go and look at the Esdras there and you can look at the introduction, there's a little bit about the manuscript history, but yeah, the, ver the you're not going to find that verse. In other words, he's not going to find that verse in the, in those oldest Greek texts because they were added after in church history, they were added um, a later time and they took actually passages from the gospels and, and, kind of put a framework around Esdras. So it's, well, it might seem if a someone, let's say they have a King James with Apocrypha and they look, they're going, oh, they just, it's, it's natural to think of it as a chronology. Genesis is at the beginning, Revelation, and then there's like a timeline. And then you say, okay, Jesus quotes something that's in, a, in my Old Testament here. And then it would make sense to assume that, oh, he's quoting it. No, that's a that's an illusion created by um, by a a sad <laughs> uh, development in church history to give people that impression a conflation so, of later texts and additions with with earlier texts. So Clayton says I shared info from a video I watched. Uh, yeah, so I would simply say that uh, I don't think that uh, there is a quote from the Apocrypha anywhere in the Apostolic Scriptures that I can find, at least not a direct quote. In fact, the uh, and that includes pseudographical works uh, such as Enoch. People will say, oh, well, you know, uh, Enoch is quoted in the Scriptures. It says, as Enoch rightly prophesied, and then it quotes Enoch. I, according to my understanding, uh, that is not a direct quote. It's close, but it's not a direct quote. Yeah, and, th and that's a, that is a, that is a, an independent tradition that was floating around associated with Enoch. That's, that's not, um, it's, we don't have a book of Enoch that actually has that quote. Um, do we have a, a small fragment from Qumran of, of an Aramaic section of that? And then we have uh, the past, the various passages from Jude or from, or very manuscript witnesses of Jude. And then we have the later Greek translation of Enoch. And they, there's a lot of difference between those. It's, it's not a, it's not like an it is written. You know, we see it Gagriptai a lot when Yeshua or the apostles are anchoring what they're saying in authoritative written text. They, they often say it is written. We don't see that um, with that. Another one that people bring up is also in the Book of Jude, is where he refers to the archangel Michael saying the Lord rebuke you to the devil concerning Moses' body. Someone emailed me about that lately too, saying, well, where does this come from? Because we don't have a book. There, we, we don't have it surviving in any kind of book. Um, you have later church fathers, I don't remember, maybe from the 4th or 5th century, referring it to, oh, it's from this book called The Assumption of Moses, but we don't even know that. We don't have it. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, and um, um, actually, uh, Tea Time Fan brings up in the chat room brings up a good point. He says there's passages that seem to be referencing. Uh, yeah, I okay. Uh, he says that, that that doesn't mean we should consider Apocrypha as canon. Okay, so th this is this is a great point. Th 
there, even if the apostolic scriptures were to quote books that are not part of the canon, that doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Even if, even if they quoted directly from the book of Enoch that we currently have, uh, it would mean nothing. Now, if, <laughs> and we see this because Paul references um, uh, pagan philosophers as well. The, the point here is that exactly what Rob just said. If we had a passage from, you know, that we thought was from an apocryphal book, that's and the person who uh, quotes it starts by saying, "As it is written," then we would have some things to deal with. Then we would have, uh, then, then we'd have some problems uh, that we would need to address. But uh, we just don't have that. We just don't have it. All right, let's move on. Um, <clears throat> so this is one that Rob hasn't heard. <laughs> this is what I mean by Rob's going in blind. He, the, a lot, a lot of this, okay. he, uh, a lot of this, he does, he hasn't heard before. That's fine though. Courtney writes in. She says, "This is an email, by the way." She says, uh, "Caleb and Rob, how would you kindly respond to someone that asks you to listen to a really good quote, really good sermon? The pastor was not educated in twisting scriptures, and it was hard to watch. I didn't even finish mm -hmm. it. When they ask you how you liked it." How would you respond or navigate a conversation like that in a kind, loving, truthful way without sound, sounding too brash? I find it hard to explain myself because I don't like upsetting people. Mm, yeah, I get so it. So oh. I have this converse. I've had this exact conversation with numbers of people. I get sent e uh, emails literally daily, and I don't mean like an email a day. I mean. I receive emails each each day with people saying, "Please watch this." And sometimes it's a you know a three minute clip. Sometimes it's this is no joke. I've had people send me three hour videos uh, and ask me to watch it. And the thing is, is that that's not a bad that's thing. I, I I'm honored that people think that I have you know that that I would say something in response to it, and then they would take you know that they would listen to what I have to say. Uh, that's that's an honor, but at the same time, um, a lot of the time, unfortunately, I just don't have time to, to watch all the videos that are sent to me. Um, but I do get around to watching some of the videos that people send me, and uh, sometimes people are very excited. The, the The hardest part of this is when someone is super excited. They're like, "Oh man, this totally blew my mind. This is so good. Uh, you know, this is a total." I, I, I've heard this. Numerous times. This was a total paradigm shift for me. And then you watch the video and, you know, it's, this will play into, by the way, into some of the other um, comments. You know, I think, have. I hear what you're saying. I, I've had two things. I've had to ask people to say, look, if you send me a video, I can't guarantee I'll watch it. But I mean, don't, you don't have to not send me. I'm not telling you not to send me anything. I'm just saying, I can't guarantee I'll watch it. That's one thing that she could consider saying. Um, another is you could say, Hey, could you, you know, before I watch it, can you tell me why, tell me specifically the value you see in it and how it's been transformative for you rather just saying, Oh man, this blew my mind. It's a paradigm shifter. Please watch. That's like little investment on their part. You know, I wonder if sometimes even people watch the whole video that they that they forward on, you know, so have they even watched the whole thing? And so I try to encourage people and I, I understand for people who are like, well, I don't want to seem mean. I, I don't want to like, you know, I want to keep communication open. What do I do? You could say, Hey, you know, I'm, I've got a lot going on. I don't have time. You know, maybe I'll be able to watch this, but more importantly to me is 
what do you, you know, how did this edify your soul? Like, how, tell me about what it means to you and why, and have, put it back on them. Say, instead of just forwarding a video, sometimes I get videos without any comments, just like yeah. someone literally either texts me or emails me just a link, a link to a YouTube right. video. Yeah. And I have no, you know. Yeah, we, we should be, we should be, we should be a little bit gracious here. You know, obviously Rob and I are in a place that a lot of uh, people aren't where uh, we do the show and, and people watch this show. And so people are sending us, you know, videos and whatnot uh, in the hopes that we'll watch them and respond to them. And, and, and that's fine. I'm, I'm happy. Once again, I'm honored that people uh, do that. What I've tended to do when people send me videos that are just, and this is a difficult situation. I think a lot of people uh, think because I'm very forward on this show that I'm very forward like that in real life when I'm having one-on-one -on -one conversations. And and that's not, that, that's simply not the case. I, I, I do care about people's feelings and, uh, and you know, how they, how, and their walk, right? Um, I just, I'll oftentimes try to prepare uh, what I'm going to say beforehand and it doesn't always go the way you want it to. But that's, I get I, it. I get her. Is it Courtney? I get the issue. I get the feeling. I mean, I understand. It's like, um, so I'd say pray, you know, pray about it and then don't re give yourself some, don't feel like you need to reply right away. You know, give yourself, you know, I'll just, I'll pray about this and I'll respond tomorrow or something. Um, but I think it's it, okay. It, to, no, it's okay to ask and say, Hey, tell me a little more about the value you see in this video. Like the, per ask them, you know, the person who's sending that to you, um, look with, with our, I know some of the stuff, Caleb, you're right. Like we get, you, most people probably aren't getting the same number of questions and things all the time, but sometimes people send a video because they, they see it as bad theology and they want to say, Hey, have you seen like this craziness? And they're sharing not because they're like, man, this was a paradigm lower, you know, shifter, but this, man, do you believe that this is still out there kind of thing? Yeah, I'm too. not I'm, I'm not getting that from Courtney's email, though. And right. here's the thing is that I think that I, I think it depends what the content is. And what I mean by that is uh, it, it also depends who the person is who's sharing with you. If, you know, if it's a pastor or if it's a leader of your congregation, that might be different than just your average congregant. You know, you can you can go to one of your leaders and say, "Hey, you know, what do you think about this video, and how should I respond to somebody who really likes it?" It depends what the issue is, too. Are we talking about yeah. a video that's trying to denounce the deity of Christ? Are we talking about some, a, a video that's trying to argue that the Book of Enoch is part of the biblical canon, or are we talking about someone who has ha, has had their mind blown by the Aleph Tav? These are in two different categories to me. If somebody is trying to um, you know, share a video with me that is going to question the deity of Christ, uh, that's where I'd say, you know, that, uh, there are so many good arguments against this. And I think that this video hasn't done justice to the, uh, to the conversation. If you're talking about some, some, uh, something like an Aleph Tav teaching, uh, that's when you'd, you could simply say something to the effect of, you know, um, it, it seems that the person speaking doesn't have a full grasp on biblical Hebrew because the way that I've understood it, this is not actually how this works. This, uh, you know, this is, this is, there's more to this issue. I think saying that there's more to the issue than what the video has presented uh, always raises question for the person who has shared it. Yeah. Right. Like I, what? I, 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 right. Yeah. I, I get it. And, and with the, 
billions of videos, billions of hours of videos on YouTube, it can be like dumpster diving, you know, and, and you're getting the algorithm is just throwing stuff at you to watch. So we do need to, as, as we grow and develop, it's like, okay, who are my trusted sources? Like, who are my, like, who are my teachers? Who are the theologians? Who are the pastors and, and preachers that like you, you have to vet, you have to, and, that, and that's not easy. That that's going to take a while. You got to give, you know, cause I've had many times in my walk, especially early on when I got real uh, zealous, right. I got real uh, excited about this or that teacher. Um, and then I was like behaving according to that zeal and enthusiasm for the teacher, but it was totally ungrounded. And um, and that's the thing that comes with spiritual maturity is, is getting these disappointments. And it's like, oh, oh, you know, didn't see that one coming, you know, kind of thing. And and so I think we all have those kind of moments and we learn, it's like, okay, wait a minute. And we, we learn to vet, we learn the word better. And all those kinds of crashes and burns in my experience were like, okay, I got to get back to the word. I got to know the word better. And then as I grew in the word, I was able to have a little more discernment with who I was going to listen to and why, because look, we're all dealing with limited time. I mean, we, you know, we just don't have time to just sit. We can't go back and be kindergartners and just live a life of like learning from a a trusted system anymore. As, As adult learners, we have to really be scrupulous in terms of where are we investing our attention because it's there's no neutral place, right? There, there's no. It's not like, you know, Yeshua says, "To him who has more will be given; to him who does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away." So, the, there is urgency in the church for disciples of Yeshua to find teachers and preachers and pastors, even if they're not part of that community, maybe through the internet, but to to uh, be informed, to to sit at their feet, you know what I mean? To like learn, learn from from people who who know what they're talking about, and and that's precious. Yeah. You know, that's precious. That's precious to find because when you when you find teachers that are truly edifying your soul and bringing you you know closer to Yeshua. And, and clarifying the scriptures, you look at all the people that you listened to in times past, and it's like, oh man, what a waste of my time. But yeah, I, it's I, not, I'm not being condemning, condemning about it because we learn that way. God gives us, you know, you know, if we belong to Yeshua, he'll, he'll, we'll be shepherded by, by the spirit as we go through that. But, but there's a thing, that's why Paul says there's such thing as zeal without knowledge. They like Romans 10 is one place. They he says, I'm telling you, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Right. And and he why does he say that? He says, because zeal in itself is not bad or good, but zeal needs to be with knowledge. And with knowledge, that's what's precious because who you believe, who you listen to, who you let their thoughts inform your view of of your walk with Yeshua and scriptures is gonna matter. Sure, and it matters in the deepest way because that's what 
this is about. His word within God's creation. He's given us his word by revelation. And if we belong to Yeshua, that what's more important than that? And yeah, we've been warned that there are false teachers all over. So it's it, it's not a game, you know. This is <laughs> this is serious stuff. Even though I know we we use satire and parody and and jokes and stuff like that, and I think there's a proper place for that. But we also have a you know we can turn serious. We can get to business when we need to. So anyway, I don't know. We're kind of going along on on Courtney's question, but it's a great question. I'm glad I think, that I, yeah, back to, it's back so to great the... that it concerns her heart. I would just say pray, pray, pray for the people. Try to learn about why it's important to them. And and maybe there's something you could offer that's that might not be where you are, but it could could be edifying for them where they're at. Uh, yeah, my my suggestion is um to say that there's there's pro- there's a more to the to the argument than what's presented in the in the video. And if the person says like what, that gives you an opening to say, well, and then you can present maybe a couple of things that you found wrong with the the video. That would be my best advice. Okay. But if all they're looking for you is just to join the crowd and go yes, are they just wanting a yes person? Like are they did they blast 50 people with this? video that's another or did they send it to you specifically for a reason and then like everything Caleb said like what's the video about and is it is it a heretic totally heretical idea or is it someone who's misinformed or you know so all those kind of things are really good ways to kind of narrow down and have a more a more nuanced uh, individualized response to the person Okay, let's move on. We have actually uh, Natty Bumpo is in the chat room, so we will go to his comment. Which individual is the, this? Is on the Book of Esther, right? So we were talking last week about the Book of Esther, how we think it should. Uh, someone was asking about why it's not found at Qumran. Yeah, Natty says, which individual is the one that gets all the glory and the honor in the last chapter of the book of Esther? Hint, it's not Yah. Also, Rob is incorrect. Esther takes place decades after Cyrus' decree to the, the Jews could return home. They were not in exile. They were in Persia by choice. We see why they chose to be there in the story. There's a reason it's not found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, in my opinion. The behavior in the book is appalling. This is interesting because... Uh, I find I find pushing against the book of Esther to be an interesting move because I'll let you respond by the way uh Rob in terms of the uh the chronology of this book but I find uh pushing against the book of Esther to be an interesting move and the reason why is because this pushes against not only the the Christian canon it pushes against the Jewish canon as well I'm not sure that there's, I mean, do we find any, so basically what I, what I see here is, is, uh, that, that Natty believes that they are the one who can choose, pick and choose the canon. So is that how it should work for all of us? Should we all just pick and choose what yeah, is I, I mean, canonical? It's like, dude, if you want to, if you, if you're like, want to pick a book of the Bible and attack it, I mean, there's people who say the Exodus never happened. Sure. There's people that say Jonah never happened. Oh, Genesis Genesis is, yeah, is not, yeah. They'll say know, is, actually Yeshua yeah. never actually rose from the dead. You know, I mean, so, so pick your, like, pick your thing. And someone's like, okay, Esther is doesn't belong because we found out that there's actually this king Ahasuerus, a Persian king, way later, and therefore it what chronologically. So, so it sounds like this person. My guess is that this person is thinking. Is it Natty? Yep. 
sounds like Natty is thinking, um, we know from ancient Near Eastern history that X, Y, Z, and therefore the Bible, which has Esther, must be wrong or historically inaccurate, and therefore we need to oust it. That's, that's what it sounds like. But if, if you know, if I'm a Bible first person. Oh, so, same here. Uh, so I'll, I'll read Esther and I read Esther chapter two, and it says Mordecai was among the Jews exiled by Nebuchadnezzar from Jerusalem at, at the exile and that he's taking care of his, is it his niece? Um, right. Esther. That the setting is clearly, that clearly the reader of Esther is set up to understand whatever's going to happen here, that this is in the time of exile. Uh, the, the, the book itself sets us up that. Um, this, But this question of chronology, I, I think it, you know, is fair. I don't have an answer because I, I don't, I don't think I need to, I don't feel like I have to answer. <laughs> um, we don't know. We don't know enough. The fact that, uh, well, Josephus, for example, says that this was an, this was another name for Cyrus. Mm-hmm. So Josephus at the end of the first century is clearly reading Esther in the context of ex- Jewish exile, clearly. And we know it was very an important book because in the Greek translations of Esther, and even later the Aramaic translations, but the early Greek, which are from the first century BC, so before Christianity, we had different versions of Esther circulating around, um, some of which are full of prayers to God and uh, interpretations of the text that this is shows God's faithfulness to his covenant people while they're in diaspora, while they're in exile. And, and so it's like, okay, well, you know, if someone today wants to say, well, you know, we've done some excavations and we realize that there's a king of this name that lived way later, that's, you know, if you want to lean on that historical source and then argue that Esther needs to be ousted, then, you know, you're probably gonna have to go start a new religion, I would imagine. I don't know what I mean, if you so want to maybe do that. I, maybe I no, I'll give I'll give Natty some uh, some leeway here. Natty says uh, it's a, this is a red herring, not what I said in my comments at all. And I said, okay, perhaps I misread your comment. Do you think that mm. Esther should be in the canon? And Natty writes back and says, I'm not claiming the story isn't true or that it doesn't belong. Belong to what the canon? I'm merely concerned with the behavior in the story. So, okay. Okay, well, t- if, here's if, the other thing. Okay, the behavior... Well, hang on, wait, 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 oh. hang on just a sec. If we, if we, uh, uh, so, he, and, the, and then Natty says, why can't Rob answer the question in my post? I would, uh, I would encourage you to answer my question first. Do you th- think, I, 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 I have asked, I have asked two times now, do you think that Esther should be in the canon? And now I'm asking it on air. Do you believe that Esther should be in the canon? That is a... He's a asking or, me that? He, no, I'm he, no, I'm asking. I'm asking Natty. Do you believe that Esther should be in the canon? Oh, sorry. Um, the question. What did I miss here. in the question? Uh, what I heard him say was that Yah is not glorified, and that the it was not in exile. That it was after the temp after Cyrus's decree, and I'm saying no. The story is clearly set in exile before the Cyrus decree. A, B. It is told as a Persian, uh, a Persian, uh, a Persian uh, court record. 
I mean, Natty's just Natty is is dancing around this question like there's no tomorrow. Which cannon? Come on, man, answer the question. Sixty-six book cannon. This, Let's just uh, yeah, play, play his game. Wiggling, 60. wiggling out of the question okay, is not going to save you here. Does it belong in the Tanakh? Ah, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's our answer. I don't have a cannon. Yeah. He said that. Well, there you go. Yeah. I don't okay, have a then, 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 then we have no. You truth. don't have it. Then you don't know the word of God, and you're not building on rock. Yeah, we don't have we don't have truth. Then there is no such thing as truth. This this is a postmodern answer, by the way. The postmodernist says my truth is is my truth, and your truth is your truth. Uh, it, mm. it, it it brings up the ability to say there's anybody can have truth. I don't let men tell me which ancient writings are scripture. So you get to decide. So you get to decide whether or not. Yeah, that's what um, I meant. Like, go build your, go start your own religion. Yep. That's what you're doing. You're built, you're a one man religion. So you can go find other people that agree with you and convince them that we need to listen to these ancient Near Eastern historians that say Esther was set not where it says it was. Natty doesn't need people to agree with him. Natty, Natty has decided that, decided that, that he's in control, that he gets to decide. Oh, okay. Good luck because, with that. Yeah. And he says, uh, Rob's not answering my question. There's one question mark in this entire uh, comment that was left on YouTube. It says, which individual is the one that gets all the glory and honor in the chapter, in the last chapter in the book of Esther? What individual gets glory? I think the, the people, the, the, Jewish, the, the people Jewish of God. people yeah, get exactly. delivered and they celebrate their deliverance. They celebrate their deliverance. And not only that, you have, this is not a very subtle reading. I, I wonder if he knows Hebrew, if he's read it. It, it. There are so many allusions to Samuel, to uh, Jonah, to other prophets that the Jewish reader in Hebrew in the ancient days of Esther is totally understanding it in terms of the law and the prophets. The very claim that Haman leverages the evil decree is that these people have a Torah. Now it's, it uses the Persian word dot, which is not the word Torah, but it's a Persian court tale. It's, it's told as a Persian story. It says they have a dot, not like all the other nations. Jews understand what this means, right? It, if, if, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, good luck. With, it, I mean, it, 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 that, that makes me, that yeah. makes me, it honestly makes me a little bit sad. How would you ever, how would you ever put forth it, it, anything as truth? Yeah. Like if, if right. you say, well, you know, I, it says in Exodus, I can just say, well, no, Exodus, you know, I don't, I don't accept man's, uh, man's uh, decrees of a canon. So, uh, yeah, I'm not mm. going to take that part. So I, I want Genesis and Deuteronomy, but I don't want Exodus. No, but I don't like that part in Genesis. You know, that part in Genesis 18. No, I don't like that. So that's not that's not scripture to me. That's it's I'm, the rest of it's okay. The rest of Genesis is okay. I mean, this is exactly so. What what's the, funny is that you don't even have a Bible then, because without scribes, without a scribal tradition, you have no Bible at all. Yeah. So so if he wants to limit to what's at Qumran, fragments, fragments of text. Well, like if you just look at Exodus one, all the te- all the witnesses of Exodus one at Qumran. I think there's five different ones. They don't agree with each other. So if you're going to limit yourself to 
These are well, red. Hey, you wouldn't brother. even have a Torah. You would have <laughs> you would have mangled passages of scripture with all sorts of expansions and spelling on, errors just and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> just a sec. Natty writes in and says, it writes back and says, these are red herrings, brothers. No, they're not. The the fact is, is that you don't yeah, have don't a canon. Call, don't call means, me a brother. Don't yeah, call you, me a brother. If you're it, making it, this kind of claim, it, it it if you want to call it a red herring, then you can go fishing somewhere else because. <laughs> yeah, I mean. The, the book the, of the, Esther clearly is set in exile. It is clearly an evil decree that the, even the Persian king understands when he understands all the facts that this people, the Yehudim, who come from Jerusalem, who have a, a law unlike others, everybody else, and that they that means they won't bow down to people like Mordecai won't bow down before Haman, and that they fast, they fast in solidarity in sackcloth and ashes, just because it doesn't mention the word prayer. That's no, no, because, but, but that's another. But, I mean, I'm with you, but he, but but what we're getting here is <laughs> Esther is just the tip of an iceberg. Yeah, yeah. He You're would. Talking, he'll just deflect you, to something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's a red herring. It's a red herring. It's a yeah. red herring. That's not an answer, man. No, it, like you, you're you're saying that there that you don't that there's no canon. So once again, <laughs> you're going back to that notion that that uh, there's no truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Yeah, there's. Yeah, we're clearly. I think that's you clarified that point. We're dealing with it, people who. Where in scripture are we? Are we given a list are, of who books? say there is no canon? There's no conversation because there's no common ground, which means to call us brothers is is disingenuous. Hang on, just a sec. Okay, I don't want to spend all the time just responding to Natty in the chat room, but at the same time, this this shows a level of of denial. He says, "Where in the scripture are we given a list of books for the Old Testament for the for the Tanakh? We're given a list of what books. What scripture Yeshua, are we talking when, about? When Yeshua says the 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 law and the prophets, when it continues to re, uh, to uh, refer to the law, the prophets, and the writings, those are yeah, set in the first Luke, century, post resurrection. Yeah. Moses and yeah, when 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 <laughs> Acts thirteen, they go into the synagogue and read the law and the prophets. This yeah. is this is it." <laughs> You know, yeah, whenever they, they, it says it is set, written, it's set in the first. When, yeah, exactly. Whenever it's it says set. it is written, look it up. What Yeshua says after it is written, or Paul, or whoever, and it's in what we call the Tanakh. You know, and I don't know what books this guy's reading, but I think he, I think it's misguided. He's Mordecai, got a misguided zeal. That's oh, my opinion. misguided is an understatement. Mordecai breaks over ten commandments in the Torah by my count. Yeah, how many uh, commandments did David break? How many commandments did um, did Abraham break? How many commandments did Jacob break? That's your that's your proof wow, that the book is golly. not canonical. Yo, okay, let's move on. That's I mean that is really really scary. Uh, you mean when none of the New Testament was written? Yeah, well, we have attestation of the New Testament books as well. Peter calls uh, Paul's writing scripture. I, yeah. All right, let's move on. Oopsie Daisy Hollow. Other problems. Writes, other problems. Yeah, the, yeah. This is this is just a uh, this is. <laughs> Once again, tip of the the iceberg. What's under the water is even worse. I'd because, say we're pro yeah. this is probably not the right show for someone who is is adamantly anti-canon and does not want other or maybe it is maybe that's where the lord important. wants them keep listening <laughs> keep listening okay keep, just regard. keep listening come on in and keep listening 
Okay, oopsie daisy hollow. Now I got two comments to go to the same thing. Uh, one is by my good friend Joel in, in the Philippines. And then I'm not sure who oopsie daisy hollow is, but I'm going to read both these comments and tandem them together and say, uh, and, and then we'll respond to both of them. Because I think that this comes down to the same, to the same uh, issue. Okay, <clears throat> this once again is, is going back to our discussions about churches and Torah observance. Oopsie Daisy Hollow says, but why is it okay for one to go to church teaching against following Torah, but not a Torah observant congregation teaching on lost tribes? You have to find your closest fit, whichever side of the wrong they fall on, correct? And then Joel, my good friend Joel, writes in, he says, hi, thanks for the clip. I understand uh, your points, guys. Number two, churches are alike and uh, we cannot judge a church by its name, affiliation, or even their basic tenets. However, if we find teachings like sacred name, flat earth, etc., as deal breakers, which I agree to, a, to some extent we should or could, then more so should you consider non-observance of the seventh-day Sabbath as a deal breaker. Okay, these are really good comments. And I, and I think that there is uh, definitely some truth to these. However, uh, let's go to Oopsie Daisy Hollows first. She says, uh, you know, why would you uh, go to a place that, uh, you know, doesn't observe the Sabbath, but, ex you know, teaches on the lost tribes? Yeah, I, I think that if there was a congregation and the only flaw that, uh, the only uh, theological uh, red flag that I saw was a teaching on the lost tribes. In other words, that we're all part of the lost tribes or something. I would probably be able to, uh, I'd probably be able to, say that's, you know, I, I disagree, but I can fellowship with a, a community like this. However, uh, one of the things that I've seen, and, the, and this goes to uh, Joel's comment as well, is that, uh, you know, flat earth, uh, sacred name, things like this. If we had one problem like this, then that might be uh, something to sidestep or to, to be in fellowship, but just say, I disagree on these things. However, what I have found is that these kind of Hebrew roots uh, theologies tend to, once again, be just the tip of the iceberg. What's underneath the water is, is much, much worse than simply believing that we might be part of the lost tribes. Usually this goes back to historical inaccuracies. Sacred name goes back to uh, workspace salvations. Uh, flat earth goes back to a complete misunderstanding and interpretation and hermeneutic of the scriptures in general. And so what you see is, and flat earth tends to be the worst because this, this comes to a point of uh, complete misunderstanding of, of how a language works and how, um, how we interpret scripture. And so if, if someone believes in flat earth, my mind doesn't just say, oh, okay, this person believes that the earth is flat. I disagree with that. What my mind instantly says is this is, this is just a, this is a symptom a, of a much a, right, larger a, problem. Right. It's Right. There's a larger hermeneutical orientation right. that allows, that's not vetting certain kinds of ideas. It's allow and and so if it doesn't vet this idea over here, it, that means that the castle wall is broken down for other things to to come in too. So, yeah, and here's the other thing for someone who, if you want to go, if you're, let's say you you are a pronomian in that you're a Sabbath observer on Seventh-day Sabbath keeper, let's say, and you're disciple Yeshua, you believe in the canon. And there's a Sunday church that has, or, you know, a Sunday church that has a service on a Sunday or maybe a Wednesday night men's Bible study or a Tuesday night worship service. I don't know. There's, it's, if, if you're going, it, it has to do with why you're going. 
If I'm going because this is my edification of truth, this is where I get the truth, and this is where I get my identity, then yeah, that's not a good that's not a good fit. If if you are anchored in the word of God and you keep the Sabbath, and you're going out into the world and you're going to build networks and, and connections with other believers and meet them where they're at. You're not going as someone to be fed. You're going to feed. You're a feeder. Even if you're not a pastor, you're there. You can speak an edifying word in someone else's life that you might not meet any other way. And you can be there. And at, at a certain time, you can tell the pastor, yeah, you know, I keep the Sabbath. Just so you know, I keep the Sabbath. I don't eat, you know, strange things that the, the Tauruses don't eat. Um you know, and and be real and, and just be open about who you are. But but say, I want to be here because I want to, you know, be connected with with believers. I think I you could say in terms of let's say reformed theology or whatever, I I am in agreement with a lot of things here. And I just want to serve the body. I'll clean toilets, you know, just say, I'll come and I'll clean toilets at church, you know. Like, cause, but if, but if I'm going to go to a church and I'm going to go like this with my, this pastor doesn't even believe in the Sabbath. I've got other problems. That that's yeah, a but, sourness that's yeah, in I, my heart. I, you I, know, and and so the idea: Are I you agree. going to serve or to be served? I agree with what you're saying. However, I think that there does need to be said uh, that something does need to be said for for the notion of of uh, you know, so. I think what Joel and uh, I forget the name of the other person. Anyway, I've said it a million times. I, th- I, I think the point is, is we do have uh, issues with people in churches who say that the Sabbath is done away with. And I agree with that. I do agree with that. I think that there is issues there. But, um, the, but, the, but the claim, the, the claim, and I can only speak for a very small fragment of American Christianity that I've been exposed to. And I know it's much broader and wider than I, my personal experience, but it is an ingrained that it's been ingrained for generations. It's a, it's a generational ingrainment. If there's such a word, the lost tribes of Israel is a sensationalist fad that comes and goes. That's not ingrained. So they're, they're different species of problem. I agree with and, that. And and I, I think I definitely that, agree with that. Yeah. And I think that like with Dr. Bach's book, you know, that you're talking about, um, the covenant book and, and like Caleb, you and I for the last 10 years and more have gone to ETS and we've seen there is, even in the ETS scholarship, there are people who are, they're, they're trying to figure out how, how can, it's almost like they're, they're being led to this recognition of the Sabbath and the law not being done away with, but they too recognize they're in institutions that are not moving as fast as they've moved in their scholarship. And so they're taking like a pastoral and open question kind of approach to try to guide the flock according, but they're, but in my view, I've seen enough. Now it's not the main voices, you know, I talked about it was uh, just in uh, Denver. We watched uh, your dad and I went and watched John Oswalt, who I think he was a professor at Asbury. I'm not sure for that. I mean, it's a uh, 
but he gave a talk on sanctification. And he was quoting the Torah, and it was like, wow, this guy's anchored in the Torah and, and the importance of sanctification. And then, of course, and I think I mentioned it before, then he had this one line, well, and we know that it's not, you know, none of these apply for us today. So it was like so disappointing. But 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 that shows the point. The point is, there was so much good there. People, and I've talked to, how many people have we talked to that thought, you know, the whole life I grew up and I, I had this Sabbath commandment was just like a, like a rock in my shoe. Like yesterday. I was going to a, going to a Sunday church and it's like, and you know, and now I see it, but I just didn't see it. And, and you have to realize that God lets people walk around with these rocks in their shoes. And then pretty soon at the right time, they'll go, Hey, Oh, and all of a sudden it's like, whew, all of a sudden they, they just have this wonderful aha about the scripture as a whole. Um, so wait, wait, to wait, me, wait, wait. what happened for me was that I, because of who I was listening to at the time, this is in the mid nineties, I got, I had a sour attitude that against the churches. Cause I was told, Oh, these churches are lying to you on purpose. Right. They're lying to you. So I was told and kind of programmed in my naive coming to like, believe that the Torah was not done away that these pastors were liars like deliberately trying to lie. And, and I believe that. And I went with that and, and that was a dead end, man, spiritually, that's a dead end street to believe that all the pastors out there are deliberately lying to the flock. I'm not denying that there are liars. I'm not denying that there's wolves in sheep clothing, but those guys will be exposed and they are, but guess what? Even in the messianic rabbinic messianic movement, we've seen liars Right, that preach Sabbath, and then they come out, and we see what's the truth. So, so the problem of the human heart and 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 wolves right. in clothing is not special to American evangelicalism. It's a problem in in messianic movements. So, it's a problem in Hebrew roots. So, it, shut up, so, so, so several things here. First of all, maybe I have maybe I have rose colored glasses on. And I'm happy. I'm. I'm not happy. I'm. I'm fine to admit that that might be the case. But here's the thing: I study the Reformation, and what I see is I see these men of God, who, by the way, were in the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. You're talking about Tyndale. You're talking about, you know, Luther. Luther you're talking about Luther, Knox. Yeah. You, you know, all these guys are like bishops or they're priests or whatever, right? And for some reason, the Lord uses these men, and they 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 leave the Catholic Church, but they still kind of are wrestling with At people the in the Catholic their Church. Li their lives are on the line in times like this. Isn't just cancellation they, they, on Twitter. This is like right, and and they have and what they're doing is they're working to try to to reform the church. They're not saying, you know what, you guys believe total heresy, which they did, right, and. I mean, even Luther says that the the mass is is uh, is you know of Satan essentially. So we, I mean, we have specific uh, wrestling with these people, and what happens? It doesn't happen right away. It's not like all of a sudden the truth came from the Lord, and and all of a sudden the Catholic Church has said, you know what, we're wrong. No, the Catholic Church is still around. I got a Roman Catholic Church right down the road. Three blocks from me is a, one of the largest Catholic churches in Tacoma, Washington. So the the point here is simply that I see that and I think, what if the Lord is reforming again? Which I believe He is, and I've said that many times on this show. And what is that reformation that is happening? We see people in the church. Look, 
I came out, like I came from a, a standard Christian church and my family moved into a Messianic Jewish synagogue. Rob came from a Lutheran church. He came to an understanding. He, and now he, you know, he's in a different place. Every person that I meet, I mean, save a couple here or there, like my wife, but most of the people that I meet say, I was in this church and all of a sudden the Lord showed me X, Y, Z. Is that still happening? I, I think believe it so. is. And so the point is, is that yes, the pastors might be teaching against the Sabbath, but you know what? I am of the opinion that the Lord is making a, a move in the church. And these kind of, this assumption is, <clears throat> is affirmed for me with the kind of conversation that I had yesterday. Somebody who says to me, hey, we, we're going to this church, but I've always wondered about the festivals. Exactly. And I've always wondered about the Sabbath. And I, I wish that, you know, we've never been able to find somebody who celebrates those festivals. What do you guys do? And I said, we do them at our house. We have a group of people that used to go to this church that we were a part of. They come over. We celebrate the festivals. You guys are more than welcome. We have 31 people coming to our Passover Seder this year. So we can't have you for Passover because our, our house only fits 20. We're having 31. <laughs> you can use your office out here as like a second table. Do, uh, we, Put the about kids out in the office. <laughs> 31 people out of those 31, 15, about, around 15 of them have never celebrated Passover before. Praise that God. right there should tell you something. So I say to this person yesterday, but we would be happy to have you over for Pentecost. You'd be happy to, you know, all these different things. So to me, yes, I understand the arguments of the people in the chat room and the emails that I'm getting saying that, that oh, I can't believe that you'd go to a Christian church. Well, I, you know, I'm an optimist. I'm, I'm optimistic that, that the Lord is doing a work and that the, that the Lord hopefully will use me in some way to, to push that reformation on. Do I have to agree with the people in the church 100%? No. But I think that they they agree with me on the things that are foundational. And to me that's the most important. My children are not being taught that there's no canon or that or that uh you know uh, that Christ is not deity or or anything like that. Or that Mordecai broke look at the 10 ways that Mordecai broke the Torah, children. Right. Um, so, and, that, and that's why I, uh, he stood against Haman. That's why he wouldn't bow down to Haman. I want to go to a comment that is made in the chat room by Tea Time Fan. They say, I had the same feeling. This by uh, th th uh, I'm sorry, this was back up here. I'm sorry, this was uh, a comment that I, a passing comment that I made. Mm -hmm. Why would the shape of the earth even matter for believers? What do they gain if the earth is flat? This comes down to a hermeneutic, and that is that they're taking passages such as from the four corners of the earth. Okay, and they're saying, see, the Bible says that there's four corners of the earth. Or, you know, uh, there's different passages where it's speaking in poetry. Well, the, yeah, but the, aren't they prone to conspiracy? The idea is like NASA and uh, global conspiracy but usually to keep all people deceived. Yes, and therefore, you, you, we've never went to the moon, um, you know, that that it's all a lie, you know. Don't trust any authority anywhere. I, I I agree with you completely. But this ultimately this comes from a misreading of of idioms and other things in the but Bible. For some reason, the King James version of the Bible is a unique drop of pristine manna or a pristine water droplet from the angels. You know, I don't know. I mean, that somehow the the King James and his translators were uh, somehow immune in a special bubble. Uh, from all the the problems of of humanity, 
in our Hebrew class at Southern right now, we're, we're finishing up Hebrew syntax, but we're in poetry. We're trying, they're, they're trying to teach us about poetry. Which is most of the Tanakh, by the way, is poetic, is poetry. I mean, we, are, it's not just me either. I, 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 I'm getting a distinct <laughs> feeling from all of my fellow classmates that we are all just in the weeds. Like what is going on here? It, it, Hebrew poetry is a, is a beast unto itself, but it is a difficult beast. And it's one thing to learn Hebrew, but it's a completely it might be other one of the thing. beasts of Revelation. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Sorry, bad joke. Yeah, but the, I mean, the the point simply is that uh, you know it, I'm learning Hebrew, but I'm nowhere even close to a place where Rob is, where Rob is able to read the text and understand. Uh, you know, we're we're in poetry here, all these kind of things. I'm I'm clunking along, just trying to learn my vocabulary at this point. You know what I mean? Like, good man, good. Yeah. So, uh, but but I say that simply to mean that it, simply to show that. Those who are taking idioms uh, and trying to build or Hebrew poetry and not understanding how that Hebrew poetry is working in the text and then trying to build off that, even though they're not e even understanding the text itself, uh, this is where we're getting a hermeneutic that is wrong. And they're building not only uh, biblical uh, inaccuracies from it, but then they are taking it into, the, as Rob said, into the conspiracies of life. Oh, everyone's lying to us. Elon Musk must be part of the NASA conspiracy, right? Um, but uh, this is not just to, to pick on, on uh, flat earth. You know, I think that one of the, uh, one of the worst examples that we have within, and we can find this, so Hebrew Roots Movement is probably the Aleph Tav teaching. This comes from a total lack of understanding how Hebrew works. Or um, in the Messianic Movement, what we're seeing is is a mystical kind of idea of... Well, the um, adoption of Hasidic, like uh, Kabbalah and... I was going to say um, Hebrew word pictures, but that... But, oh, oh, that. I meant like, and then we can, we have our own Beit Din and rabbis, and so it's like, yeah, trying to make themselves look like Judaism when they're not right. No, no, no one who observes actual Judaism looks at Messianic Judaism go, Oh, Oh, you know? Um, yeah. All right. Should we go one more? Sure. Should we go one more? Let's do it. Um, I, I need to look here. Oh, okay. This is a, this is one we can, we can talk about quickly. Brandon wrote in, this was a long time ago, and I'm sorry, Brandon, for not getting to this earlier. Uh, Brandon says, from the show yesterday, and this was, I don't know, months ago, uh, you seem to say people have always been indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Yes, I believe that that uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not time-bound. Okay? Right. Brandon's comment goes on. It's not the same thing as the Spirit poured out at Pentecost. So correct. Al correct. also correct. Did I understand that correct? So I believe just to clarify uh, for Brandon here on this part of his comment. Yes, I believe there are two fillings of the Holy Spirit. There is the filling of the Holy Spirit that every believer uh, gets when they uh, become saved. And then there is th uh, a different filling of the Holy Spirit, which we th see throughout. And those those the are the righteous, like when Yeshua says the, the righteous from righteous Abel all the way down, you know, all, all those martyrs, they were believers. Uh from Abel on down through history. Right. To, to, to be saved is to be part of the new covenant, to be part of the new covenant, also not time bound, to be part of the new covenant is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to uh, be on a walk to conform to Christ. It, it means to be, a, and you are a beneficiary of the right. shed blood 
of the of the Messiah. It doesn't Absolutely. matter if you're Abel or Abraham or Noah or Enoch, you know, way back, or if you're us today. That's what Caleb means by not time bound, right? You're a okay, beneficiary so of that shed blood, the, the regardless kind of where you are on the timeline. Agreed. So that, uh, and the second kind of filling of the Holy Spirit is to accomplish a work. And we see this in the Torah itself in Exodus 31, 3 through 5. Um, uh, it says, and I filled him, that is, uh, Bezalel and Bezalel, yeah. uh, with the Spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze. So what is the difference? Now let's take it to Acts 2. For the, What's and, the, and, and in parallel, this is a great parallel. It's for the building of the tabernacle. Right. And yes. and, the, and Shavuot is, Pentecost is for the building of the ecclesia. It's a special... Uh, a special outpouring for the purpose of the message of the covenant promise with Abraham to go to all the nations. We see this with David, King David too. Uh, The spirit of God is upon him to rule his people. And then David says, when he, when he uh, sleeps with Bathsheba, he says, uh, take not your Holy Spirit from me. It doesn't mean, uh, don't let me say it doesn't mean I'm an unbeliever and make me a believer again. Right. It means, right. Uh, please uh, don't rip the kingdom from me because of my sin. In other words, allow me to continue to rule as you have. So th- there's this filling of the Holy Spirit. We see in John that, that uh, the Lord says that he's going to send another helper. And what is that other helper? It's the Spirit of God to do what? To take the... Remember that, that Christ says that, his, that he came only for the house of Israel. To remember it, yeah. Right. But then once the... Uh, but then once the, the Spirit comes, the gospel goes out to the nations. So this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we see uh, in Acts 2. Okay, let's go on with Brandon's question. He says, I thought I remember from previous conversations that you believe the Spirit came upon people in the past before Pentecost, but it did not indwell. That is not the case. I believe that it indwells uh, people f- for both salvation and for the second cause to, to uh, enable uh, the person to do a specific work. Not everyone receives that second uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit, per se. Okay, Um, he says, also, what scripture would you go to to support an indwelling of the Spirit at all times in history, if that is what you believe? Uh, I would go first to Romans 8, 8 through 9. Paul says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's right. And so the language means, there, uh, please God, we see it also in Romans 12. We also see it in Hebrews 11, because it's without faith, it's impossible to please him. And and what, what does it mean? And Hebrews 11 starts with Abel, right? And goes down, Abel, Enoch, Noah, right? The patriarchs, all the well, way down. And, and it and, says, and yeah. it's not only it's not just limited to um, the list there. It, the The implication is that there's a lot of unnamed, you know, tons of unnamed people there. But this this idiom of please God refers to it's the Greek phrase that corresponds in the Hebrew to the verb lehitalech lehitalech to to walk with God, like where it says Enoch walked with God, or Noah walked with God, or Abraham. God says walk, walk before me, right? It's, it's a, it means be in, you're in relationship with God, which you can't be in relationship with God except by faith. 
you can't please God, like apart from faith, you know. Um, and so, yeah. Well, so it, it, I would what, say what Hebrews I, eleven is another good passage what, for Abraham. what I would say is that we see that uh, Paul's. Uh, and we see this all, in, not only in, in, in Galatians, but we also see it in Romans too. His model for salvation by faith is Abraham. So he's using the model of Abraham as the salvation by faith. And I would simply say that according to, to Romans 8, 8 through 9, a person has to have the Spirit of Christ to be saved. I do not believe that the means of salvation has changed. I don't believe that God saved people in one way previously and that now he saves them differently, which therefore right. means, according to my understanding, that a person has always had to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that is the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, to be saved. That would, that would be my answer. All right. I hope it's been fun for everyone else. It's been fun for me. We are going to be gone. Is it next week? Are we gone next week? Week after. Oh, so we have a show next week. Okay, great. Uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll have new, uh, uh, hopefully we will have um, uh, new producer credit up uh, sometime in the next week or two. And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone. If you want to be a part of our conversations, uh, please do so. Chegg at torresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. You can also uh, call our comment line, 253-465-32. Check out the TRI Spring Catalog, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, come take classes from Rob. Uh, it, uh, it'll be fun, I promise. All right. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Yeah.